All right, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. My name is Logan Campbell, and I'm the host of this show we call Caffeine and Sarcasm. Um, it's been a while. Yet again, it's been a while. I'm sorry if I let you down. Uh, you know, just getting back into the swing of things, into the new rhythm of new job, uh, kids going back to school, all that. Uh, it's been it's been an event. I'll say that, but um, we're slowly getting there. We're we're starting to feel like we got a rhythm now, and I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Things are going really well. Um, things are going really well at work. I'm very excited to announce that. Um, love the new job. Feeling great. Feeling ten pounds lighter. Um, I've had uh, lots of people reaching out, asking me how I'm doing, and I'm I'm grateful for that. I'm doing well, and uh, I'm happy to announce that feeling really good. So um, there's some kind of wild and crazy stuff going on right now. Um, today's August 23rd, 2021. Um, the Taliban have taken control of Afghanistan um, in, you know, it seemed seemingly in, in, a, in a day. You know, Jocko just released a video, Jocko Willink, talking about, uh, he entitled it, If, if he were the president, like what he would say, you know, taking responsibility for what had happened. But, um, there's a lot going on, and it's really kind of scary. Um, I remember, because, I mean, we're coming up for the 20th anniversary of September 11th terrorist attacks. And it's kind of wild to think about. Uh, I was in seventh grade. I'll never forget it. I was in seventh grade moving between classes. And I walked in Lebanon Middle School. <laughs> In Lebanon, Indiana, I walked, I was walking from, I think from band. Uh, I played trumpet in in the seventh grade. Um, so I was walking from band class to Mr. Joyce's class. And Mr. Joyce taught social studies. And more on that here in a minute. But I was walking past the main office and they had the TV on in there. Now, granted, this wasn't a big flat-screen TV. This was an old tube TV because um, this was in 2001. And all the administrators in the front office were kind of crowded around it. And I saw the second tower get hit. And I, was, I walked in. I said, what's going on? And they said, you need to go to class. So I'm like, all right. So I go into class, and Mr. Joyce was sitting in there with the, the television off. And I said, Mr. Joyce, what's going on? There's something on the TV. And um, he called me Soup because <laughs> my last name is Campbell. Um, he, said, he said, Mr. Soup, you just need to sit down and we'll talk about it. Um, so class started and uh, Mr. Joyce told us what was going on and he turned on the TV. And uh, he had talked about how they were thinking that it was a terrorist attack. Couldn't have been an accident. Two of them couldn't have been an accident. Um, the strangest thing was, uh, Mr. Joyce told us a week prior about Osama bin Laden and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and how evil these people were just a week prior. I mean, I'm not kidding. That's not a joke. And then... All of a sudden, this happened. It was really, really strange. I'll never forget it. I mean, going home early that day, 
not really realizing the the volume uh, of what had occurred until I think the next day. I think a lot of people struggled realizing it, especially if you didn't live in the area of uh, New York or the World Trade Centers or anything. Uh, the um, the immense suffering and just human misery that had occurred um, is unspeakable. Uh, there's a really great movie uh, called World Trade Center. Uh, it's got Nicolas Cage in it. Uh, it's, it's it's a pretty good movie. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's about the, the first two survivors that were found in the World Trade Center. Thanks a lot to the truck driving by there. Um, but it, it's also about... Uh, the rescue efforts and everything. And Michael Shannon, uh, who plays General Zod in uh, Man of Steel, um, he plays a uh, Marine that uh, was one of the first to go out and uh, start the rescue efforts. And at one point, they're standing there, I think it's at nighttime, after the towers had fallen and everything, and there was just this dusty haze all over, and, and Michael Shannon's character is standing there with uh, another character, and they said, we can't see anything, and, and uh, Michael Shannon's character said, it's God keeping us from seeing what we're not prepared to see. You know, nobody knew exactly what they were going to find when all that happened, so I always thought that was a really good, uh, a good line, really put it into perspective, because none of us were prepared. It was... Uh, it was definitely a big black eye um, in the history of the United States. Um, and when when my wife and I went to to New York in October of 2019, uh, before the Rona, BC, before Corona, uh, we had an opportunity to go to the 9/11 Museum, which if you if you're in the New York City area or if you travel to New York City, make it a part of your trip. It will be worth it. Just the reflecting pools alone on the outside of the museum are moving. You know, they they put uh, roses on the people's names on their birthday all around the reflecting pool. There's these beautiful granite uh, monument around it that has this uh, never-ending waterfall. It's very beautiful, but there's names carved all around the outside. Um, and you go inside, and it's, it's, it's just it's incredible. You walk through and just see the, the day-to-day, what, what happened, the events unfolding. They have all the videos of, of everything happening. They have fire trucks crushed and police cars and pieces of the building. You're actually walking through like the sub-basement of the World Trade Center. There's there's pieces of the original foundation that are that, that museum is built on. It's quite incredible. So you you go through and and there's these there's specific sections, you know, dedicated to specific areas or specific times throughout the course of events that went on. And there's a whole section dedicated to what they call the jumpers. 
And those were the people that chose their fate that day and decided to jump from the burning building instead of just writing it down. Um, and it has interviews, you know, recorded interviews with the people that watched them. And uh, there's one that, that moved me. It was a, a lady. She stood on the ledge and in her last fleeting moments of life uh, showed enough dignity for herself and held her arms down to her sides so that her skirt wouldn't uh, be blown up by the wind as she plummeted to her, her death. Um, I don't think I've ever cried so much in public as I did when I was at the, the 9-11 museum. It was, everybody is. I mean, you walk around and everybody is sniffling and, and, and crying because it is just so well done. Very moving. Um, I didn't want to start this episode like that, but it just, it came to mind and it's a current event going on and it's bringing back some, some bad memories. I, <clears throat> I have a feeling that something is going to happen this year. It's the 20th anniversary of it. It's hard to believe. Um, hard to believe it's been 20 years. So, you know, there's that. There's the new strain of COVID or, or whatever you want to call it that's just sweeping the nation once again. Here we go. Here comes another 14 weeks to flatten the curve, right? It's just getting old. You know, it's just... <laughs> I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing all the, the negativity. Uh, you know, today, President Biden says that anyone who's waiting for an FDA-approved COVID vaccine should go get your vaccination and get it today. You know what? I, I, I mean, I have my own feelings about uh, the vaccine. You want to get it, get it. I don't care. My biggest issue is, is you can't make me do it. And that is part of the problem. I have never seen a vaccine be pushed so much by anyone, let alone the government. But that's, that's the problem. That's what people aren't seeing and aren't understanding about the folks that don't want to get it. I, I'm not saying that, 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 that COVID doesn't exist or that it's not real. I don't think any of us are saying that. There's there's obviously something there. But there's two things here. I don't believe that it's as bad as they said that it was initially. And I firmly believe that the government is using it to abuse their power. To try and see how much control they can have. You won't change my mind on that. Nobody will. And I think a lot more people think that than they're willing to admit. You know, and especially when it comes to, you know, they've, they've talked over and over again, and I haven't seen anything on it yet, so I don't know if it's just conspiracy theories or whatever, but they've talked about going door-to-door -door doing vaccinations and doing vaccination checks and stuff like that. A, um, that's illegal. You, you can't look into my medical history. Um, and B, you can't make me. I don't want it, and you can't make me. 
That's 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 plain and plain and simple. It, um, you know, it it took them thirty five years to make the yellow fever virus vaccine. Um, polio, it took them forty five years. Measles, it took forty six years. Uh, the influenza, so the flu, it took twelve years. Um, let's see here. Hepatitis B took seventeen years. Rotavirus took 25 years. Hepatitis A took 33 years. HIV is still not available. But they developed one in seven months, and you're expected to take it and carry a passport to prove it. I mean, New York's starting to to make it to where you, you can't darn near leave without proving that you have this thing. You look at Australia. There are literally people fighting... The government in the streets in Australia because they are on such a bad lockdown. I don't know about you, but that's pushing it. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't like the way that's looking. I'm not, uh, I'm not playing that game again. I don't think anybody wants to. I don't want anybody to get sick. I don't want to get sick. But I also don't think that the lockdowns and all that jazz works. It, it just, I, I, I don't. So, there's my rant. <laughs> Let's move on to a better topic. I wanted to talk briefly. I, I had, I've been thinking about this for a while. And I never had a chance to sit down and do it. So, tonight I decided to take some time and do it. A few weeks ago... My wife was out of town, and I had the kids at the house here, and we were getting ready to do a few things, and I heard them arguing, and then, you know, there was the the, the big sound, what sounded like a smack or something, and then some crying. So, me, of course, trying to figure out what happened, I go down, and... Uh, my son's headphones were broken. And I thought, no, what, what happened here? So I asked him what happened. And he said it just fell off. And, I, you know, I could tell he was lying, kind of him and hawing around it, not making eye contact, that sort of thing. You know, <laughs> you learn a few things as a parent, and you also learn a few things as a cop. You learn how to figure out how people are lying. And I gave him lots and lots of chances to tell me the truth. And he just wouldn't come out with it. He wouldn't come out with it. I knew what happened. He'd taken his, his headphones, and they're not little little headphones. They're, they're great big headset headphones. And he threw them, which caused one of the earpieces to come off. And he was afraid that he was going to get in trouble, that he'd broken his headphones. That's what he was, he was worried about. So he didn't want to tell me the truth. He opted to tell me a lie instead and just say he didn't know what happened. So I had him sit down and I went and asked his sister, what happened? How did his headphones get like that? And she said that he threw them up in the air and they hit the ground and they broke. So I, I separated them. I did the red ninja thing and, uh, <laughs> you know, did some interdiction, separate them and, and get get the stories 
So I go back to, to my son and I say, okay, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me the truth. And I want you to tell me the truth. You will be in more trouble if you don't. And I said, I'll let you think about it, but I want you to tell me the truth. And he still stood by it. He said he didn't know what happened. They just fell off. So then I got out dad voice. And I don't like to do that. I don't like to raise my voice. I've never been one to to raise my voice a lot. I don't like to do it. I don't like shouting through the house like... I, I can't stand it. It's it's home. It's supposed to be quiet. <laughs> That's just who I am. But I got I got in his face and and I upset him. And I told him that that I'm not raising a liar. And I think that was what got to him. You know, that's that was when that was when daddy turned into to father. And I went, I went full father mode, and and I had that little heart to heart. And it's hard to have those with a five year old because there are some words that you want to use and some phrases that you want to use that they just won't understand. And you got to break it down for them, break it down Barney style, if <laughs> if that makes any sense. So. I got into the the whole I'm I'm raising a gentleman. And I think all fathers have this conversation several times throughout their their parenthood. This is the first time I really had it. And I told him that it hurt my feelings when he lied to me. And I got choked up about it. Because he was crying, he knew he was lying, and he knew that I knew he was lying. And I told him, you know, I, I at first I got in his face and was and was raising my voice at him, and he didn't like that. He started backing up, backing up, backing up. Well, finally he was he was in a corner, and that was when I took my voice level down and talked to him. I got down to his level. And explained things. You know, I was lied to for 10 years of my life for for job. You know, that was part of my job, was being lied to. And I explained to him that, that good people don't do that. That young men don't do that. Even if we... Even if we feel like the lie will make things better or make us feel better. In the end, the truth will always make us feel better. And it, it made me think a lot. I mean, I, I still related to it as an adult. You know, especially one of my resolutions was taking responsibility, being accountable. You know, no, no matter how small the lie is, it will continue to grow. That's that one thing is for certain. Because you're going to have to keep covering it up and keep covering it up. And that's what I told him. I said, it's it's silly. I fixed your headphones. It's not a big deal. But 
instead of having to go through this 10-minute conversation and ordeal, you could have just admitted that you threw them. And it would have been fine. I probably would have told you not to do it again, and we would have moved on. And, and I think that got to him a little bit. I say that, and I'm talking about a five-year-old. But I like to think that I got to him. But the, the point of the matter is, is that it's so important to have those conversations with your kids at a young age. It is so important to talk to them like an adult. Because if you try to talk to them like kids all the time, that's all they're going to understand. I know that I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of hell for that. But that's kind of the way I see it. Talk to them like they're adults. They want to be treated that way. You know, treat your kids like they're, they're kids. There's no, I'm not saying don't do that. I love doing that. But also, when the, when the opportunity is there, when the moment's right, you can talk to them like an adult and explain things. But that's the biggest part is the communication of it. Explaining things to them. Break it down for them Barney style. Piece by piece. It helps them understand. So we hugged it out and he moved on. Well, <laughs> little did I know that my daughter was standing around the corner. And she's older than him. And she <laughs> she comes over to me and, and she's tearing up. I said, why are you crying? And she gives me a hug and she says, you're the best daddy I ever had. And that crushed me. It absolutely crushed me. But it made me feel so good because for years I felt so guilty for the way I was as a dad and as a parent. Specifically because of the hours and stuff that I worked. My attitude. I was suffering and I didn't know it. And I was taking it out on my family. I didn't always have the best attitude. Especially being on nights or just dealing with the stress of the job. I know that I wasn't as fun as I could have been, and it, it makes me feel terrible that I missed out on so many opportunities to have fun with them instead of, instead of not. And I hate that. But damn it, I'm making up for it now. You know, I, I've, I've found myself recently, and I keep, I keep saying that I'm 10 pounds lighter, that I feel 10 pounds lighter. And it's true, like I really do. And I, I found myself recently having better conversations with them and just doing silly stuff. And you know, back to it's almost like they're when they were really, really little again. And you play those those really little kid games, but now they're more fun because they can talk and laugh and they have personalities. And I can do things with them. A part of me will always feel guilty for that. And I know I can't, I can't blame myself. 
for that and I shouldn't feel guilty because it's nothing that I did wrong. You know, like I said, I was from a lot of the some personal trauma and trauma from the job and everything, I was suffering and I didn't know it. And I didn't even know how to say it. Didn't know how to talk about it. And because of that, they suffered. And I can tell that there's times when it's like they don't want to, not so much recently, but there are times when I noticed that it was like they didn't want to spend time with me because I was an asshole. And that's tough to admit. I'm not going to lie. It's tough to admit. Now, I can purposefully (laughs) be an asshole. I'm a smart ass. I'll say that. But when your kids are able to call you out on it without even saying it, all it it takes is, is that one look from them. And I know. I'm like, great. I set myself up on that one. But thankfully, I'm on the rebound from that. Feeling great. And things are getting better. Things are looking up. And for those of you that might be struggling a little bit with uh, your attitude or your, your mental health, don't be afraid to reach out. Reach out to me. Send me a message. I'll do what I can. You know, if you're still on the job or even if you're not, you know, I got some, I got some friends that can help. I got friends in good places. Nick Wilson with the Resiliency Project, which I got to have on the show here eventually. I got two two guests lined up here, uh, one this week and one next week. So the shows are going to be keep coming back. So don't lose hope yet. <laughs> I'm still here. It's just, you know, making time. That's all. I've been practicing guitar a little bit. My sister-in-law's wedding. I'll be playing at, so I had to break that out again recently, so maybe I'll throw some of that stuff up on TikTok or Instagram, see what people say. Speaking of Instagram and TikTok, if you don't already follow me over there, please head over to to TikTok, and my handle is at caffeine and sarcasm, one word, and Instagram is at Mr. Caffeine and Sarcasm, since some lady out in Washington State has caffeine and sarcasm and won't give it up. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Um, but check me out over there. Um, you know, one of the one of my biggest sponsors and uh, biggest supporters, Barbells and Badges. Uh, they do some awesome stuff over on on Instagram. Check them out. You know, you you see me wearing their headbands and T-shirts and stuff all the time. Um, get yourself some. Use use code Campbell. Save you a little bit of cash on your checkout. They're uh, putting new stuff out every day, so be sure to check them out. Mark's going to be my next guest on the show, so we got a lot to talk about. So I think that's it. Um, just a little quick update on life and, and where things are going. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share the show. I want to give some shout-outs, too, to, to all my supporters, which I appreciate so much. we got uh, big old Mike Stevens. Thank you to Mike Stevens, Joni Hughes, Michael Carrejo. I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Marshall, uh, Michelle McNamee, McNamee, and Jeff. Um, Thank you for supporting the show. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. Um, I'm currently working on building a website 
So that's very exciting. So your support isn't going unnoticed and it's going to a good place. So um, stand by for that. Maybe some new stickers, um, working on a new logo, a lot of other things. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell your grandma, um, tell everybody that uh, caffeine and sarcasm is coming back. (laughs) Have a great day. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Barbells and Badges. If you are tired of wearing the same clothes over and over again to the gym, look no further than Barbells and Badges. They have excellent designs for t-shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, headbands, hats, you name it, they've got it. Check them out now at www.barbellsandbadges.com. Use code CAMPBELL. It'll save you a little bit of money on your checkout. And I'll tell you what, if you want to support law enforcement, fire, military, this is the company to go through. Barbells and Badges, we train for our lives. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Surly Sam's Tattoo Care. Surly Sam's is made with raw, unrefined, grade A shea butter, naturally rich in vitamins A, E, and F. Basically, a whole bunch of awesome science stuff that'll keep your tattoos looking awesome. For when you get a new tattoo that needs some healing or your old ink that needs some love. Check out surlysams.com and use code CAFFEINE for free shipping.